0: Episode 4, From Spark to Blaze Julia They quickly encountered their first disappointment. No public lighting, no sign of any activity in the city of Lamson. Complete darkness only broken by distant beams of light. Blocks of houses appeared as the headlights swept layer after layer of the hostile environment. Moving slowly through the streets, They came across parked cars, immobile and empty, abandoned. Damn it, Chuck muttered. Further ahead, people were moving through the darkness, the beams of their flashlights catching the dark windows of the buildings. He approached them at a slow pace. They saw chaotic movements along the sidewalks. Dozens of silhouettes were moving frantically in all directions. Some were crying, while others were in a state of panic. In the dark, uncertainty and fear gave way to the most primitive impulses. Darkness reveals the darkest souls. Or rather, what is darkest within every soul? Julia spotted two uniformed police officers conversing with visibly agitated individuals. They raised their arms in frustration, shouting in the face of the police officer's bewilderment Further down the road, two other men were working under the hood of their car. Like Chuck and the others, their initial thought must have been a battery issue. One of them was angrily pounding on the car's body out of frustration. Julia also noticed a little boy, alone, searching for something in the darkness. The men with flashlights near her seemed to be ignoring him. This sight saddened her. Eva had woken up and was silently observing. The little girl pressed her face against the window. Why is it dark? What are all these people doing? She asked timidly. It's nothing, darling. Probably just a power outage. Someone will fix it soon, Julia replied without much conviction. Like at the grocery store earlier, the girl worried. Are there going to be bad people too? No, sweetheart, don't worry. We're here to protect you whispered Julia, however she wasn't sure of herself, the nightmare she had imagined was coming true. Amid the clamor of the agitated mass of people surging down the street or pounding fruitlessly on their cars, she could hear another sound, the screams. As the car moved further down the street, the screaming grew louder. Maybe we should get some information, Julia suggested, ask someone for directions absolutely not chuck interrupted if we stop we're done for look at that he pointed to a shop along the street the storefront had been reduced to rubble and shadows inside were rummaging through the shelves horrible images returned to julia's mind recent images of blood and corpses of shelves splattered with blood chuck turned onto another street but it was even more crowded This time, even with the pickup's windows closed, they could hear the cries and shouts distinctly, explosions and clanging sounds. Along the narrow road, dozens of shops had been looted. Piles of glass littered the sidewalks. People, nothing more than dark silhouettes, crossed the street without warning, hindering Chuck's progress. The crowd crossed back and forth seemingly without purpose, directionless. Chuck accelerated slightly through this ghostly crowd. We need to find the hospital. We can't linger here, he said. Did you see all those people? This is madness, Julia stammered. Madness would be staying here for too long, Chuck replied, tense. So far, no one has really noticed us. They're too busy looking for explanations, arguing like we were at the beginning. But as soon as they see a functioning vehicle, it will attract their attention. I haven't seen any other cars on the road. Suddenly, someone tapped on the driver's window. (sighs) We're here, Chuck sighed. He was now driving at a crawl. He made no move to roll down the window, just stared ahead as the tapping became more insistent. Excuse me, sir? Can you give me a ride? The stranger asked, almost pleading. I need to get to Philadelphia. My family is there. The glass barrier made the voice unclear. Chuck waved his hand, indicating his refusal. The passerby soon stopped following them and disappeared into the darkness of the night. An old woman appeared on the other side of the car, knocking on the door to get Ron's attention, but he didn't react. Quickly, the pedestrian completely ignored the presence of the injured gamekeeper. She was staring at Chuck. Please, sir, I have my son with me and he's very scared, she pleaded. We live in the next town over. It's not far. Could you take us? Please. Chuck, embarrassed, turned his gaze away and pressed the pedal a little harder. He responded, his gaze vacant. I'm sorry, ma'am. We don't have enough room. Julia noticed Chuck's contained anger. He was trying to ignore all these people, and the tension was palpable inside the vehicle. Suddenly, there was a loud thump on the side of the vehicle, and Chuck swerved to the right. No more room, huh? A man's voice shouted from outside in the dark. You could easily fit at least three more people. Can't you see that these poor people just want to find their families? Chuck didn't flinch. He gripped the steering wheel even tighter without slowing down. Now Julia started to feel afraid. Through the window, she glimpsed flames leaping up from the shell of a burnt-out car. The man continued to follow alongside, and Chuck continued to ignore him. Did you hear what I said, you jerk? He kicked the bumper again. This time, Chuck lost his cool. He had seemed calm until now, but his patience shattered into a thousand pieces, much like all the shattered windows along the street. He abruptly opened his door and grabbed the defiant man by the coat, all while still driving. He almost pulled him inside and forced him to look at Ron. ''Do you see him, huh?'' he shouted in the man's ear. ''If I don't get him to the hospital, he'll die. Do you understand that?'' This woman back there, he said, pointing at Julia, has lost her husband and the little girl here has lost her mother, so stop bothering us with your fake moral high ground and get out of here before I really lose my temper. On these words, he pushed the man back onto the sidewalk. Chuck slammed the door shut and repositioned himself behind the wheel, still on high alert. Julia remained frozen in the back seat, holding Eva in her arms. The shouting had drawn the attention of other people. They were starting to scrutinize the car, their questioning looks visible through the glare of the headlights. Some struggled to get out of the road, intrigued. Chuck, frustrated, began honking incessantly. Enraged, he rolled down his window and yelled outside, Get the hell out of this damn road! An attentive man a little further away addressed a group of people. Look, his vehicle is moving. A crowd began to gather around the van. A wild-eyed few rushed towards the vehicle, some of them inflicting blows. The blows intensified, and residents even started throwing rocks. Julia could hear them bouncing softly on the roof. Chuck, get us out of here! Julia pleaded, panicked. Suddenly the enraged man reappeared in front of the pickup. He seemed determined to stop them. You bastard, he shouted, stop this damn car. Chuck pressed heavily on the accelerator. The car skidded slightly and hit the furious man. He rolled over the bonnet and crashed against the windshield before rolling off to the side. The road ahead was clear and Chuck kept his foot down on the accelerator. The screams multiplied and some people began chasing the fugitives. With a quick glance in the rearview mirror, Chuck saw the man getting back on his feet, raising his hands to the sky, furious. The pickup sped away, out of the city center, along a darker, more deserted alley. The chaos of the main street finally quieted. There was no one in sight. No more screams, no more looted shops. Chuck drove, scanning both sides for any signs of danger. He glanced at Ron, who was still deeply asleep. I don't know where the darn hospital is, the truck driver grumbled. No signs in this damn town. I wonder where we've ended up. And all these weirdos, it doesn't smell good. Let me know if you see anything, Julia. There must be information somewhere, she anxiously exclaimed. Over there, can you see it? At the intersection, there's a sign! Chuck accelerated toward the strangely deserted crossroads. Apparently, most people had gathered in the city center. A community in confusion, perplexity, desperately seeking answers to poorly posed questions, or perhaps it was simply the effect of the sudden darkness, reviving ancient fears and awakening survival instincts. Two camps were inevitably forming, peaceful groups willing to cooperate, and then other groups. Groups you might not necessarily want to encounter. A faint mist had settled in the deserted alleys. Chuck had to briefly stop at the intersection to examine the sign. "'Look!' Julia exclaimed. "'Right there. The hospital isn't far, just a few streets from here. Hurry, let's go!' Chuck suddenly regained his motivation and slowly resumed the journey. Suddenly, a bottle shattered on the windshield, spilling a foamy liquid that completely blurred Chuck's view of the street. Surprised, he slammed on the brakes. Two men emerged from the shadows and approached the car. The mist partially obscured the two strangers, making it difficult to assess the situation. They quickly closed on the car Chuck had forgotten to lock his door after the incident with the rabid man, and he bitterly regretted it. It abruptly swung open, and a man, dressed entirely in black and wearing a peculiar hood, forcibly pulled him out of the pickup. Chuck was thrown to the ground, and the man, with immense strength, pinned him firmly against the asphalt. A second thug began to beat him mercilessly. The trucker was powerless, immobilized taken by surprise. Fortunately, the two attackers didn't immediately notice the magnum at his waist. Unable to break free from the restraint, Chuck had no choice but to endure it. The two men ruthlessly attacked their victim, delivering violent blows all over his body. Julia held Eva tightly in her arms, who immediately started crying. Feeling her trembling against her, Julia remembered her promise to help Chuck and regain her composure. The grocery store shootout had made her aware of her vulnerability, and she didn't want to continue down this path. And then, there was the little girl. She would be willing to give her life for her, just as Eva's mother had done. Julia leaned over to Ron's car door to lock it. Then, she reached for the driver's side door. Seeing Chuck being beaten... Doubt and guilt momentarily overwhelmed her. She took a little too long to pull the door shut, and a third man emerging from the shadows lunged at the vehicle. Julia barely managed to slam the door and lunged for the lock button. The thug, a tall figure with a repulsive face, wearing a horrible gray beanie, clearly felt offended to be thwarted by a woman. He kicked the metal forcefully. OPEN THIS DOOR, YOU BITCH!" Julia huddled down on the rear seat. Eva nestled in her arms, seeking comfort. The young woman composed herself and observed the horrible man yelling insults at her through the window. She hoped that the pickup's locks would be sufficient, and that Chuck would find some way out of this. She couldn't imagine leaving without him. Chuck remained on the ground, subdued by the two attackers. While the man with the beanie continued to vent his frustration at the car, Julia risked a glance at the fight. Lying on the ground, Chuck was bleeding from his face. One of the attackers kept delivering violent kicks to his stomach. Suddenly, an impact sounded on the rear window. A fourth man was attempting to break the glass. He stepped back and swung a wooden stick with all his might the object noisily rebounded against the window. It cracked. A spiderweb of lines spread dangerously from the point of impact, but the glass did not yield. A second attempt terrified Julia, who held Eva close to her. The man with the beanie, amused, started laughing and applauding his companion. Yeah, go for it, smash that damn window, ha ha ha. The glass cracked a bit more under the third blow, but the material held firm. Julia couldn't help but panic, just as before, sensing the imminent arrival of a terrible judgment. I need to stay calm, she thought. I need to keep control. She tensed, waiting for the next blow, but it never came. The man with the stick appeared to have gone. Julia, incredulous, cautiously approached the rear window. She leaned in to get a closer look, thinking that the assailant had given up. Suddenly, the man leaped out of the darkness, a dagger in hand. He pressed his face against the cracked rear window. He screamed like a maniac, his demonic smile horrifying the young woman. She jolted back in surprise. The man brandished his knife and waved it in front of the window. Then he stood up and vigorously shook the vehicle, causing it to bounce on its shocks. Come on, slut, let me in. We'll have some fun, you'll see, he promised. Eva, completely terrified, began to scream at the top of her lungs. Her cries were like a piercing and irritating alarm. Help! Help! The three men further away turned around. One of them seemed suddenly embarrassed. He signaled to his accomplice, who lifted Chuck and held him with his back against him. The hooded man leaned in towards the trucker's face. Listen, all we want is your car, got it? So tell your women to get out of there quickly if you don't want this to escalate. Eva continued to scream like a madwoman. Even though it seemed that there was no one else around in this dark fog, it could alert people. Maybe help would come. But as Julia had learned the hard way, even the presence of a law enforcement officer didn't always guarantee safety. If she keeps screaming like that, we'll get noticed, Marvin. One of the men grumbled. We need to hurry. The one called Marvin grabbed Chuck by the throat, pulled out a knife, and threatened him. Hurry up, man. We're running out of time. Tell them to get out of the car. Chuck saw an opportunity to act. He gathered his last bit of strength, suddenly straightened up and slammed his head against the nose of the assailant, holding him from behind. The man, surprised, screamed in pain and fell to the ground. In the process, Chuck delivered a powerful knee strike to Marvin's groin. The thug's face contorted He let out a low grunt and staggered back, his hands between his legs. Chuck reached for the magnum his attackers had failed to notice. He drew it and stepped back to create some space. Panting his belly and ribs on fire, he took aim at each of the three men in turn. Now step away from the vehicle, he hissed, or I'll blow your skulls off. Marvin grumbled while clutching his crotch. He weakly raised a hand in the air. Okay, man, calm down. We were just joking. With knives and sticks? You were putting on a little theater act, huh? Screw you, bastard. Get out of here now, or I'll randomly shoot one of you. He cocked the magnum and aimed it at Marvin's forehead, glaring menacingly. Suddenly, the fourth man lunged out of the darkness and struck Chuck in the back with his stick, the same one that had cracked the rear window of the pickup. Chuck staggered. He dropped his gun, which slid a little further on the ground. The trucker writhed in pain, lying on the sidewalk. Julia and Eva watched the scene from inside the vehicle, barricaded, anxious. Marvin retrieved the weapon and pointed it at Chuck, a smug little smile spreading across his face. You're not feeling so tough now, huh? I admit that after what you did to me, I really feel like putting a bullet between your eyes. Yeah, but apparently there are people who rely on you here. And I even saw a charming little lady over there, he said, turning his head towards the two girls still in the car. Chuck looked at them, helpless and frustrated. So, here's what we're going to do, Marvin announced. I'm not a monster, you know. Like I said, we just want the car. So, Stop playing the hero and tell your bitches to get out of there. Everything will end well, and everyone will go their separate ways. Okay. Chuck could only comply. He signaled Julia to exit the vehicle. The young woman had no choice but to unlock the door and reluctantly get out of the car. She held tightly to Eva's hand. Completely forgotten, Ron remained unconscious, like a discreet ghost. One of the men called out to Marvin. There's a guy over there. What should we do with him? He looks in bad shape. Marvin stared at Chuck. Who's this guy over there? Is he dead? No, Chuck replied. He's severely injured, and we need to get him to the hospital, or he might die. The leader, in a sudden burst of humanity, gestured to his men near the pickup. You two, get him out of there, he said, pointing at Ron. And be gentle. Marvin turned to face Chuck, one hand holding the magnum, the other between his legs. He still seemed to be in pain, but kept an eye on Chuck. Julia and Eva stood aside, terrified. One of the men supporting Ron by the shoulder spoke up. Hey, he's waking up. Chuck was relieved and Marvin appeared embarrassed. Set him down on the sidewalk and hurry up, get in the vehicle. They released Ron, who was now semi-conscious and collapsed on the sidewalk. Then they got into the back of the vehicle. The man with the broken nose, his face bloodied, walked over to the vehicle and spat on Chuck as he passed. He awkwardly glanced at the two girls. Marvin, still keeping an eye on Chuck, slowly backed away. Thanks for the gun, he mocked. He moved with difficulty to the driver's seat, He tossed the gun to the passenger side man and quickly started the vehicle. They disappeared into the fog. Julia rushed to Ron to check his condition. He had regained consciousness, but was losing a lot of blood. Ron, how are you feeling? She worried. Don't worry, I'll be fine. Chuck tried to get up, wincing in pain. Eva approached him and hugged him. The driver, surprised, smiled slightly. He slowly regained his senses, still stunned by what had just happened. He sat by the side of the road, his face bloodied, and gently stroked Eva's hair. It's going to be okay, kid. Everything will be fine. Chuck got to his feet with difficulty, staggering towards the others while clutching his ribs. Blood was flowing from his nose and he hunched over in pain. Julia watched him as he approached, still a bit dazed. "'Chuck! You won't be able to carry him in this condition?' she implored, aware of the extent of his injuries. They really roughed me up, those little bastards, I admit. But I've had worse in the past, believe me. It may look impressive, but it's nothing compared to him.' He nodded in Ron's direction, swaying. He placed his hand on Ava's head to reassure her. "'What do we do now?' Julia asked, her voice hollow. A vehicle for scoundrels returning to scoundrels. The circle is complete, Chuck quipped. We'll have to make do, I suppose. The hospital isn't far. Let's hurry. It's... Ron managed to mumble out of breath. It's two streets from here. Julia turned around and saw the sign. They were barely a hundred meters away from the building. She looked from Chuck to Ron, realizing that it would be excruciatingly slow Mardim. We'll support him. The two of us. I'll help you. Let's go. The young woman summoned her courage and lifted Ron's near lifeless body. Chuck came to assist, emitting a hoarse cry of pain, and they hurried on their way. Miraculously, the stretch of road leading to the hospital was quiet, devoid of any threats. Julia had retrieved Ron's flashlight from the car, and was trying to light their path. This part of the city seemed deserted, but she remained cautious. Every street corner, every intersection could conceal an ambush. She realized the importance of the night lights, and how they served as a deterrent to prevent human aggression from resurfacing. She eagerly awaited the dawn, thinking, I've never looked forward to sunrise so much that brilliant glow on the horizon that would deliver them from the darkness, if only for a few hours. Chuck was breathing heavily, struggling to support Ron. They advanced slowly but with determination, Eva following quickly and silently behind. Finally, they reached the entrance to the massive hospital building. A large square served as a parking lot out front. Julia heard suspicious noises through the fog an intensifying clamor. Likely more people, maybe dozens. As she moved forward, she saw silhouettes emerging from the shadows. Waves of people poured in from all sides towards the hospital. Some walked, others ran, all within an oppressive and eerie atmosphere. Beams of flashlights cut through the pitch black night, creating strange luminous channels in the fog. It looked like artillerymen preparing a fireworks display, searching for hidden fuses in the plain, in the heart of the night. Halos swirled in the air, accompanied by muffled sounds, vehemently spoken words, often incomprehensible. People were shouting, panicked and wounded by this incomprehensible catastrophe. The darkness, complete darkness, created unbearable panic. Thank you for listening, if you like this series feel free to share it and subscribe to make sure you don't miss any new episodes.